Welcome to Dominion Sonship Life. Here we are once again coming around the Word of God and to allow the Holy Spirit to expand, expound, to teach us the Word of God, to bring forth a revelation that will keep us strong in this hour, that will keep us strong and unhindered in this rest of race of faith. And I believe this is really why I stand here and I endeavor to to follow the instruction of the Spirit in terms of the utterance and in terms of dominion and sonship, and it's to strengthen us all by His might, to be strengthened by His might within us through the Word of God, that the Word of God will have a preeminence in every thought, that the Word of God will be a solid foundation that would bring forth a, a stability to our walk in this world, a stability that is that is really a, a walk of Christ, Christ himself in us and through us, and that will not be shifted, that will not be changing our minds as to what we believe, and that will not be reverting back to old uh, situations that really were of no help to us or of the old man, but to keep running this forward race of faith in Christ. And I have been talking about not to worry. I've been talking about why take the care. Do not worry about your life. Your life is supernatural. And I really believe that that exactly is the core of all that we do as Christians and that from where everything stems out, that we are indeed supernatural, that we are indeed born again, and that we are a brand new creation without knowing that without knowing that we're a brand new creation. We'll live life as mere humans and we'll, we'll jump from this doctrine to that doctrine and try to figure out what the best way to be a Christian looks like, trying to figure out, is God, God going to come through for me or maybe not? Or what, what does it look like? And we move, we move through the various doctrines and we, we just have a hard time to understand the words of Christ, that we have to be a doer of the word of God, that we really are undergoing a mighty transformation of the Holy Spirit. And it's no longer about, about the old carnal way and the old carnal man and, and pampering the old flesh and getting my way in the old man, but it's about a transformation, a conformity to Christ. And so my title for the day is really a continuation of what we have been talking about and, um, and we can, we can, we can bring forth these messages and listen to these messages and communicate these messages, but without a diligence to really spend time in meditating these messages will just be from one play of a message to the next play of a message and just really deceive ourselves that we got it and yet really have a great need of deeper revelation to be to be a becomer of him to become him fully and that would look like not troubling your heart and so today's message is trouble not your heart trouble not your heart and um of course, that came from John 14. But before I go to John 14, I want to read 2 Corinthians 5. Because, like I said, without a recognition, drawing a line in the sand once and for all, that we are born again. 
Though we are supernatural children of God, that we are a brand new spirit now, and we have a brand new nature now. And we're so used to this carnal understanding. What do you mean I'm a spirit? What, what do you mean to be born again like Nicodemus asked Jesus, can men go back in the mama's womb and come out and be born again? And Jesus qualified, unless you're born of the spirit, born from above, you will not understand the ways of the kingdom. You'll not be given an entry into this divine revelation of the kingdom of God. You'll not be able to, to live a, a life that is, that is a really a, a, a life that is from above. And so here, here, here lays that fight of faith. Here is really where we start being selective in what we think. And this is really where we start waging this warfare, like, like, like Paul told Timothy to wage by the words spoken to him, by the prophecies that were given to Timothy to wage this good warfare. That, that he was not, Timothy was not given a spirit of fear. He was not given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That sounds to me <laughs> that he is well equipped and ready for action. Action to be an overcomer in this world. Action to demonstrate the light of God. Action to boldly proclaim the message of Christ and not to cower. And without this revelation I'm about to read, without this verse being an anchor to our soul and to our mind thoughts, that I'm born again, I'm a new creation, we would be tossed back and forth. Which part is me? Which part is God? As long as you speak it that way, you're in the wrong camp. You're in the camp of carnality. Trying to figure out at which point ends Desi and when does God start. But when you recognize your brand new creation, all of it is God in us. The hope of glory. And all I have to do is lay down an old mindset. There is no position that I am now one with him in his body. Get so stirred up. I watch my messages. I watch my messages. I get so stirred up. And my heart is that men and women would apprehend the revelation of this new creation. And really, I believe that is coming from my own desire to apprehend that for which he has called me in the kingdom of God for. To be a demonstrator of sonship. And not to live like the world lives and to worry like the world worries. And to be tossed back and forth with every wind of doctrine. To be unstable in all my ways and shifty as water. To not have a backbone of thus says the Lord. I'm not to compromise the word of God. So let's read. 
Let's start from verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ compels us. Not selfish ambition. Not self-promotion. Not putting my name out there. <laughs> the love of Christ compels us. How did he demonstrate his love? By saying, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And laid down his life for you and I. So when he was raised from the dead, together with him, we arose. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. We judge thus. In this judgment, love is compelling us. But if one died for all, then all died. We've all been baptized into his death. We've all been baptized into his burial so that we can come into newness of life as he arose. Let's read again. We judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. If he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, right there, living for yourself is where anxiousness of mind is. Living for yourself is where love, the love of Christ is not compelling you. Living for yourself is of the old man that is to be reckoned dead through the death that he died for all. See, we no longer live for ourselves. How can we no longer live for ourselves? We read in Matthew 6 last week and the week prior and the week prior to that. That the body is not made for clothing. And my life is more than just mere food. That I'm not to occupy myself with these matters that the Gentiles seek after. But I'm to seek after him. I am to live for him. Oh. Wow. Suddenly everything changes. Suddenly you recognize you, together with Paul, can say are a bond servant of Christ and not have a kinky little idea. God said this, tomorrow he's going to say something else. I feel like doing this, so I'm going to do this. I don't feel like doing that, so I'm not going to do that. And without a mind renewal, that I don't live life to myself anymore. That I'm to be led by the Good Shepherd through the lead of the Holy Spirit. And as many as are led of the Holy Spirit, those are truly the sons of God, the mature ones of God. What does it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit? 
Coming into verse 16, we understand. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. When you're led, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're not regarding mere flesh and blood anymore. When you're led by the Holy Spirit, you have no regard for the lower to lead you and to define your position in Christ. To communicate what you do and what you don't do. It is an hour where we have to stand up by faith, knowing we're standing before God alone. It is an hour where Jesus would say, like he said to those disciples, he's saying to us right now, if the world hates you, so be it. They hated him first. If they persecute you, they persecuted him first. Why take the care? And in that moment, in John 14, 15, 16, he says, don't be troubled. Be of good cheer, buddy. Be happy. Jesus said he's overcome the world. And in him, we too have overcome because we're born of God. Verse 16 again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. And by the way, when you regard someone or something according to the flesh, according to carnal understanding, you will always be stuck in worry. You'll never see the way out. You'll never experience that true hope and lead of the Spirit. You always will be aware of limitations and misunderstandings will rule your moment. He continues to write, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Paul says, yet now we know him thus no longer. Now we're to know him as the resurrected king of glory. Now we're to know him as John saw him in the book of Revelation, with fire in his eyes, with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, the living Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is, who was, and is to come, that one, our master Jesus, he is coming, he is coming again, he is coming again, and these messages are of great importance because the way you see your life, uh, either sheer humanity sees it through, through the lens of your flesh, you'll be greatly disappointed, greatly harmed, can I say and add. But when we recognize that even now us in Christ, we regard him not as the one who walked on the Sea of Galilee. Although he did to demonstrate the power that resides in the Christ man. To still the waters and to rescue many from doubt and unbelief as he did with Peter. Yet now he is the resurrected king of glory. Yet now he is far above it all. Yet now he has fully submitted 
himself to the will of God. And because of that submission, God has highly exalted him far above all. Every name that is named, that every knee will bow down and confess his lordship. See, this is how we regard him now. Not as my cute little friend Jesus. but as a soon-coming king. And because of that, it's not the time to fret and to worry and to trouble your little heart to live as a mere human being. When you are born again. Verse 17, Therefore, 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 because you now have a new way to look at your life. Because now you're compelled by the love of Christ to judge thus that he died for me. And in his death, I have died. And in his life, I live to God now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ today? Yes, yes. Yes, you are, if you've confessed him as your Lord, as the Son of the living God. And if you're not, revelation be granted to you right now to see him as the Son of the living God. To bow the knee and to confess him as your Lord. For he is Lord of all. He is the master. He is the one we'll give an account to. The very word of God. The very word of God that we've hidden in our heart will render judgment to our lives. Not to condemn us, but to highly esteem us that we are His. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is, He is. A new creation, not he will be. If he gets everything right, he is now. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are born again. You are from above. You are born of the Holy Spirit. You have already through this new birth, pass from death to life. So do not fear death. Do not fear man. Honor God above all. You're his. Your body is his temple. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, and we like to dabble in the old things. We like to just talk about the old things. But Paul is clear, old things have passed away. Behold, behold, do you see it now? All things have become new. Your life is brand new in Christ. And that's why Paul to the Philippians writes one thing I do is I forget what was. I forget what was, what lay behind me, all the accolades I had back there as a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
And Paul tells the Philippians, one thing I do is I press by forgetting what was back there. Oh, for a renewal of understanding. To stop reflecting on past failures and past experiences and, and past moments and to linger in the old like Lot's wife and want to go forward in God. How can we? How can we? Looking back is a sure way to put you in a troubled heart. Everything has changed. So what? Your new creation hasn't changed. Your master hasn't changed. You still are in Christ. His word will never change. So what? He does tell us his word abides forever, but the pride and the ego of man is like those flowers of the field and they wither, they're here one day and they're gone tomorrow. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, behold, see it now. See him now as the only reality. Behold, all things have become new. Let's go here from here to John 14. Trouble not your heart. I had to, I had to review that before I get into the message. Because if we lose sight as to who we are, We'll be all over the map. We'll be all over the who, who fights which battle? Who does, who does what now? Do I labor to enter in the rest or do I stay in rest? Am I in rest? I don't know. Foolishness. But when you know who you are, when you know and you steal yourself from this outer experience of the flesh, being budged by so much in this hour, you are in his perfect rest. And in his rest, there's only victory. In his rest, there's only the overcoming of the word of God. Like we've been reading, I, I took my old book out to, to remind all of us of a lot of the messages I spoke on, that we are overcomers. The way to fight the good fight of faith. The way not to cave in. The way not to stay sedentary and idle. And wait on, come by yeah, one day God may be. Faith overcomes the scene. I spoke that May the 7th, 2023. And there I talked about, it's all about the overcoming. Because he has overcome it all. And he's now leading us in his triumphant procession. Then I looked at the following Sunday, I believe, absolute victory. And I said, don't sink in your mind. Don't cave into the pressures of the world. I looked at 1 Peter 1.13, to gird up the loins of our mind, to be vigilant, to be sober. 
to be resilient soldiers of Christ. Come on now, come on now, come on now. Then the following Sunday, he overcomes. And I talked about being strong in your mind again. Then to rest in God is to overcome. To rest in God is to trust God. To rest in God is to be so abiding in his word that nothing moves you because you know the word is stable forever. Let's go John 14 again. And maybe already are there. Verse one. Let not the word. This is the word of Jesus. Let not, let not, let not, let not. Who has this part to play here? Let not your heart be troubled. Is this up to God to do for you? Let not. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. Trouble not your heart today. Don't let. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. See, that which you believe about him, that which you believe about the word of God, will bring you into the safety of faith. There's no trouble there. On that solid foundation of the word of God, that all the storms of life come and they do come, Because you're built on the word. You are a doer of his word, not just a mere hearer. The winds came, the rain came, and beat against that house that was built on a rock, but it did not falter. Yet those who are built on the sand, shifting in their minds, what they believe, what they don't believe, The word's not very convenient for this hour right now. I can't be so bold or be persecuted. Well, that moment, many have chosen to stand on that sand. And what demise that can bring to one's life and always does unless we put ourselves back, back in remembrance of his word. Back in remembrance, if he be for me, who can be against me? Back in remembrance, I am a doer of his word. And if the word says I'm to abide in the word, then I will abide in the word. I will abide in the word. I want to look up this word trouble in case we might not understand what that is. John 14, 1 in the Strong's Concordance reads, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me as well. That word troubled is the word 5051, sorry, 5015, terrasso. And that is to stir up. Don't let your hearts be stirred up to trouble. It also can be used as being disturbed, to disturbed, to disturb, to agitate. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let your heart be disturbed by allowing that devil to come and steal the word from you. To mesmerize you by a cheap little thing. So you veer your gaze off the word, off of him, and be found in a snare. 
The word study is so good of this word trouble. Don't let your heart be troubled. It is to put in motion, to agitate back and forth, to shake to and fro. So when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, is like, do not agitate your heart. Don't put it in motion, back and forth, to shake to and fro. Figuratively, figuratively, it can be said, it is to set in motion what needs to remain still. To set in motion what needs to remain still. At ease. To trouble or to agitate causes inner perplexity, emotional agitation from getting too stirred up inside, upset. How often? <laughs> Can we identify with this? And this is not a good identification, by the way, because Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't be all shook up on the inside. Just because we got a nice, cute little smile on the outside. He knows the state of my heart, and so do you know the state of your own heart, as I do know the state of my own heart. And so... This is an important moment. And this is on the heels of, of course, as we read in Matthew 6. Let's go Matthew 6. It's really the same. And there he talked about not to worry. And we looked at that word worry as well. Maybe I should look that up as well in case we forgot what worry is. In Matthew 6.25, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you eat, what you drink, nor about your body, what you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Then look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. And worry for them potentially looks like what he's identifying here. They don't sow, they don't reap. Don't gather into bars. They gotta worry. We've gotta got gather, we've gotta gather for a rainy day. Gotta gather for a rainy day. They don't do that. And yet Jesus, in this audaciousness of faith, is saying, look at the birds of the air. What kind of confidence is that in God? Oh, it's being irresponsible, Desi. Well, no. Faith is this. Faith speaks the mountain. The mountain budges. Not only are all things possible to God, but the word of God is very clear. All things are possible to those who believe. In faith, according to the will of God, there is no impossibility in our lives. When we are being led by the word. And then he says, how our heavenly father feeds them. The ones who don't worry about gathering. <laughs> oh, it makes you, it makes you smile. This is the rest of faith. When you look at the birds of the air, you too put your heart back at rest. To still yourself again. Say, I trust God. I trust God. I trust God.
Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? That word worry, let's say that word worry. Back to 625, the initial usage here. Let, therefore, I will, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Worries at 3309, Mary now, and it is to be anxious to care for. Distracted, I care for. I like the word study, and we read it maybe two Sundays ago. This word is to be drawn in opposite directions. To divide, to be divided into parts. So to worry, it is to be divided into parts. To be drawn in opposite directions. To go to pieces because you're being pulled apart in different directions. Like the force exerted by sinful anxiety. Worry. This word is an old verb for worry and anxiety. Literally. It is to be divided, distracted. It is more commonly used in the negative sense in the New Testament. Do not worry. Don't let your heart be troubled. And then, of course, you continue later on in, in Matthew 6, and he'll say, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They need the toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I tell you, if you seize the mental ascent, what does this mean? Does it, does it, what does it mean? I gotta go, to, if you seize, if you silence that foolish thought and open your heart to what he's saying to you, great peace would enter in. And through his peace you'd be led. Because peace is the empire of your heart. Before you know it, there you are in those green pastures. How, when, doesn't matter. God took care of it. Yet, you had to make a strong decision. I love the partnership between God and man. When he says, don't let your heart be troubled, that is not a mild suggestion. Paul to Timothy says, I charge you, Timothy, in the sight of God, to keep the commandments of, the, of, of God, the word of God. When Jesus says, don't worry, that's not a mild suggestion if you feel like it. Well, you know, everyone in the world's worried. So, no, okay, Desi, I get you. No. No. Worry is the opposite of faith. Worry displeases him because it is a true expression of a lack of confidence in who he is, your heavenly father. What's the cure to all this? John 15. Back to John 15. What the words of Jesus, he says, is very clear. It's very clear. Because you're born again. You're in him. What did Paul tell, tell, tell the Corinthians? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. 
Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me. Don't go too fast to finish off and to have those ideas. Ouch, ouch, ouch. I got to be pruned. Don't think so fast ahead of it. Meditate what he's saying. He is the only true vine. He is the place of your abode. He is your address. He is the moment of your life. He's all you. He's all you see. In him alone do you move and have your being. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. My father is the vine dresser. I grew up in vineyards as a young girl. My grandfather had vineyards upon vineyards. Vine dressing is key to the health of the vine and the production of the grapes. The most tedious job is that of a vine dresser. And it's God who takes that tedious job. So don't say, God's got it easy, I got it hard. He grooms us. This transformation is even by the Spirit, by the vine dresser. Trust the working of his spirit in your life. Forsake the old mindset. Always reckoning a fleshy moment. Excusing why the failure, why you had to learn that lesson. Really? We are to abide in the vine. The true vine. Where life abides. Where goodness lives, where mercy has preeminence. Not the chaos of the world. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Don't be fooled. That he puts up with foolishness. He doesn't. Every foolishness is the things of the flesh is what I'm talking about. He prunes that away from us. Cuts it off. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me. This is the cure. This is how we can have confidence before God. We abide in the word. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. Unless we are at rest and our hearts be not troubled and we don't have an anxious mind. They're all divided and torn into pieces by worrying. It's going to be okay. Gonna be okay. We will bear fruit for the kingdom, but it's not gonna be out of an anxious mind or a troubled heart. That has to be cut off. Let not your heart be troubled, he said to us. Do not worry about your life, he said to us. Which part do we not understand? 
It's not like we don't understand. We just maybe don't know how to apply it. But that's why I talk about the meditation of the word. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So why worry? Why perplex in your heart? If anyone does not abide in me, look at this. He's cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they burn. This reminds me of the one who built his house on the sand. Thought he could stand. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit for you will be my disciples. I want to read here verse 13. Greater love has no one. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life, the vine that you're living in. Is the vine that died for you. So he's now a living vine that you can live in, and out of him his life flows outward. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he calls us his friends because he's disclosing his will to us. Verse 16 You did not choose me. Oh, what comfort here there is. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. And I'll finish here with John 16, mm -mm, verse 31. And we'll continue next week again. From here, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Do you believe God and believe me also? Do you now believe the words I speak to you? Do you now believe? Do you now believe? Do I now believe? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We are born from above. We are the very children of God. We believe the words of our heavenly father. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the father is with me. These things I've spoken to you. <laughs> These things I've spoken to you. His word has been given to us for this reason. That in me you may have peace, to not be troubled, to be at rest, to be still within yourself. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now in case we leave it at that, actually just one verse, I got to finish off because to tell us that we are now in him and because we are now in him, we too have overcome the world and so we can be of good cheer because not only has he overcome, but through his overcoming, we have gotten and received new birth and through this new birth, we have also overcome. Glory be to God. 
Jesus said, John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world because he's born of God. He's the son of God, and we too, like him, are born of God, the very children of God. In 1 John 4, 4, you're of God, little children, he speaks to us, John. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Verse 6, we are of God. We are of God. And because we are of God, we have overcome all that's in this world. Glory be to God. Therefore, don't trouble yourselves. Don't trouble your heart. Be at rest today. Amen.